your subscriber number or your follower number isn't paying you, right? You need to be as many places as possible to get those eyes on your content. And so I think the diversifying of your content is going to be really important as more and more people start to show up, more and more people build businesses. I also think it's really important. Every social media platform is a video platform, right? And as video marketers, what are we trying to do? We want to leverage video content to grow our brand's reach, influence, and ultimately the bottom line. Am I right? So why do so many businesses who invest time, money, and energy into creating a video only publish their video in one place, hoping that enough of the right people will see it, only to be frustrated by the lack of results? Why do so many businesses make this video marketing thing seem so hard? Should it be? This is episode 172 of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. G'day, my friends. I am Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing and welcome back to the podcast. If this is your first time here, I'm excited that you've decided to join us for this episode. And if you enjoy this episode, I'd love you to hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss any new episode of the podcast as it releases each and every Tuesday every single week. And if you've been listening for a while, I appreciate you. I'd love that rating and a review on the iTunes store just to let me know that you're out there and let me know that you appreciate what we're doing on this podcast. Hey, I like smart marketing and I'm sure that you do too. I also like smart process that leads to more productivity, better results and a saving of time. And I love this stuff even more when it has to do with video. In this week's episode, we're jumping into the strategies and tactics when it comes to smart video repurposing. And in particular, how my guest today repurposes YouTube videos for her and her clients so that they can show up on more platforms and grow their reach way faster. Now that is something I know we'd all like to do. My guest today is the wonderful Trina Little. And as a YouTube strategist, Trina, who has a master's degree in business, helps online business owners develop a YouTube strategy that allows them to scale their business by driving more leads with the right videos. Her YouTube videos on her own channel are her hyper-focused sales team, and they do all the heavy lifting for free. Plus, they're working for her 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So who wouldn't like that, right? And I'm excited to jump right in to this episode with Trina Little and spend some time picking her brains for you so that you can more confidently expand your reach, revenue, and influence through video. So let's get on with the show. Trina, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining me. Um, I'm excited to jump into this conversation all about 
repurposing and YouTube and all that sort of stuff that's you're deep in the world of. But for people that haven't heard of Trina Little before, can you give us a bit of an introduction to who you are and how you got into what you do today? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a master's, I have a master's of business and I worked at a stable job. Pretty much people would consider it like the perfect job. And then I had my daughter in 2015 and I didn't think it was a perfect job. I didn't enjoy it, but it was stable. It paid the bills. And what I realized after having her was like, I can't make this life. This is not going to be my life. She just can't grow up seeing like someone being miserable going to work every day. Um, so uh, when I was pregnant, I started dabbling in YouTube a bit because I was trying to figure out, you know, as a first time mom, what the heck was going on with my body and what could I expect? And my marketing brain from my business um, side started to realize, whoa, this YouTube stuff is really powerful. Um, I was more likely to buy products of people that I was watching on YouTube back in 2015 than I would from like uh, magazines or anything like that. And so I really saw what the power of YouTube was. I was kind of ahead of my game because it's now trying to get women right now uh, on video. It's taken that long, but that's how I got started. And I just started posting videos. I started trying to figure out YouTube. And then I ended up working behind the scenes at video creators for about two years for Tim Schmoyer and um, working with his clients and just seeing how it really works. And we got to the point where I am focusing more on women business owners and kind of went out on my own from there. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. I'm uh, interested to hear that you worked for Tim Schmoyer for a while. We've had Tim on the podcast a while back, um, absolute yeah. legend in the world of YouTube. So I'm sure you learnt a lot that's probably helped you mm -hmm. today as well. So so now who would you say, or how would you classify the core people that you help in your in your business or with your service today? Yeah, I'm very heavily focused on business owners. I believe you need to have a model, business model off of YouTube if you want to sustain income. We know YouTube is a great platform to generate revenue, but you don't have that control. And so predominantly business owners, my agency tends to work with women business owners because I understand the woes and the balancing that they are doing probably with kids and now online schooling. And so it just tends to be uh, female business owners that are using YouTube to build their authority, to build their brand and to get leads to their business. Yeah. I think anyone listening would recognize that the world of business, whether it be online business, offline business, digital business, or otherwise is, is becoming increasingly crowded, noisy, hard to cut through. And obviously video mm -hmm. is a great tool to use to do that, to really reach an audience with the right strategies in place. But mm -hmm. in general, where do you find that the business owners that, that you're working with are struggling to, to cut through the noise? Yeah, so they want to be on YouTube, but they feel like it's too much work. Uh, they feel, they basically come to me as perfectionists and they think they need the perfect video equipment. They need the perfect background. They need a quiet house. And so I have to get over some of those mindsets for them that we need to focus on the content and how good it is and how valuable your content is to them. We don't have to worry about, you know, everything being perfect. Just get the content out there for right now where they're tending to have a hard time standing out is that YouTube piece. Predominantly they pro they generally have a decent Instagram following 
that's mostly where a lot of my audience have their core community right now is Instagram, but Instagram plays those games with us too. Every other day, something changes and one post may get a lot of impressions and then the next day it's totally dead. And so that's kind of where they're struggling right now is diversifying their content. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about that and the way algorithms affect potential reach of content across different platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of them have the different yeah. algorithms that are, that are basically playing into what we're doing. But, you know, combined with that, we've also got increasing noise and, uh, you know, more and more content being produced and people are bombarded by content effectively every minute of every day of their life. So Absolutely. I think if, as we recognise that really at the heart of growing a business is that idea of reach, just getting your content or you or your brand in front of the more of the right people, right? Mm -hmm. So why is this so hard if we kind of take the algorithms out of, out of play? Cause we can't control that. Right. So, mm -hmm. so why is this so hard and is it getting harder in your mind or is it getting easier? What, what's your thoughts on that idea of reach? So I, I come from a, a niche area of the creative business owners who we've been preached to like focus on one platform, focus on one platform and grow it really big. And I never truly believed that because what if that disappears or yeah. your subscriber number or your follower number isn't paying you, right? You need to be as many places as possible to get those eyes on your content. And so I think the diversifying of your content is going to be really important as more and more people start to show up, more and more people build businesses. I also think it's really important for business owners to be able to share their personality. Um, I come from a business background, obviously with an MBA. And when I got started, I was so wrapped up in concern on being like this professional buttoned up, no mistakes type person. And it took a long time to connect with my audience until I started incorporating more of my story about how I do have two kids and I am running this business. And I let more of my personality, I let more of my mistakes in. And I said, I think that's kind of it all starts to tie together to really be able to reach the people so that it's not as difficult as it seems to be. We have to kind of incorporate all of that stuff. Yeah. See, I really like what you're saying there because I think what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, when we think about reach, we often kind of default to thinking about just getting in front of the most eyeballs, you know, or the, the most people. But what I'm really hearing you say, which I really love is that reach is more about reaching people, you know, it might not be mm -hmm. a, a large, you know, millions of people. It might just be reaching enough of the right sort of people and making that connection, right? So reach mm -hmm. and connection is what we're really after. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, it's funny. I, I have this case study all the time that I've had a client with, you know, half a million subscribers and I've had a channel with 10,000 subscribers and both were making over the $1 million range in their business. But no, I'm sorry, not 1 million, half a million, but one was with half a million subscribers and one with 10,000 subscribers. The one with 10,000 subscribers just had a deeper connection, was more personal and had a stronger business model. So it's not all about the numbers. It's not all about all the people you're reaching, but like you said, reaching the right amount of people. And that case study just goes to show that is the truth right now in business. Yeah. Love it. Couldn't agree more. 
So from mm-hmm. in your opinion, why is video such a powerful tool in, in making that connection and increasing that reaching connection? Right. So, I mean, obviously all the platforms love video. So if you're struggling to be seen on Facebook or Instagram or uh, Snapchat, if that's still a thing, video is, well, I guess Snapchat is all video, but uh, all these platforms want video content because it keeps people on the platform longer. And so I, if you're going to be online on business, you have got to have some type of video presence. It also allows people because again, if we're online, which is no more true than it has been in 2020, people need to connect with you if you're not able to connect with them in person anymore. And by not having a video presence, they don't know whether they know, like it or trust you or not. And we all know the statistics on how well video can really build that know, like, and trust and um, how it does it so much quicker and so much more powerful than even text and images combined. So I really believe like that is the core power that video has for business owners. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, listeners to this podcast know that too. So when we think about that idea of using video to increase the reach of your brand, your personality, the connection that you can make with your ideal audience, I think people often get focused on investing so much time and effort into a piece of video content. And then they just kind of put it out there and they go, awesome, done. I've ticked that box. Now they're just thinking about their next piece of video content. And Mm -hmm. like you say, that might not necessarily do all it can do, to kind of maximize the, I guess, possibility in that piece of video content to reach people. So how do you help people understand that process and, and maximize the potential reach when they are creating video? Yeah, I love to repurpose content. Uh, I use my content analogy as like a pyramid. And at the top of that pyramid is my YouTube video. Um, And then I just start distributing it in all different places. But the secret that I do and the secret that our clients and our agency do is we tell them to film their YouTube video the way they would and then film an alternate ending for Instagram TV so that it's very call to action specific for Instagram. So DM me your questions or share this on your, on your stories, if you can resonate with this and then also filming a, um, a Facebook alternative ending as well. So comment below or make sure you follow my page for brand new videos every single week. And so then we can now turn that YouTube video. We now have a YouTube video, an Instagram video, a Facebook video, If you have a newsletter, this allows you to stay in constant contact with them too, so that you're continuing to build that community. So um, what we generally do is write a summary of that video and tell our newsletter why they should go watch this video. We're giving them valuable content every single week. So it turns into that. It turns into a blog post. We also will take pieces of it and create video pins Video is just as important on Pinterest these days too. And Pinterest is rewarding people using video. So we also create video pins with captions. because not a lot of people are watching video with the sound on on Pinterest. And so literally with one YouTube video, we can splice it up in over 10 to 12 different ways so that we can reach more people on multiple platforms. Because like I said, one platform with hundreds of millions of subscribers in a dream world still isn't necessarily diversifying yourself. You may have an audience on another platform that wouldn't even know about you if you're not creating content there. So just to clarify, are you taking the, apart from the 
alternate endings or, um, you know, those variations that you create specifically for platforms, is the, the core of the content the same? Is the same duration? Yes. So you're not kind of cutting out snippets or little segments in that strategy? No, we are actually using the full video because yeah. our belief is we are not going to get people off of the platform that they prefer. If they're on Facebook and you say, go over to YouTube to watch a video, you're just not going to have that power. Whereas if you give them the content where they like to hang out, they're going to be more likely to watch it. And it's going to help you build that know, like, and trust even better. I mean, yes, you're not going to get the YouTube view, so to speak, but you're not worried about that as a business owner. You're worried about building that community getting them onto your email list, building those leads. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. I often refer to the idea of a tiered distribution strategy, which is very similar to, I guess, the pyramid that you're talking about there, where it's <laughs> kind of, you have your core piece of content, which is created, and then you can break it down um, as mm-hmm. you, as you go down into different platforms. In, in, in the way that I approach it here, um, I typically try and identify a primary platform that you're going to be creating for. I'm interested to hear your take on that because, you know, in that case, your primary platform might be YouTube that you're creating content for YouTube and then repurposing it for other platforms. Or do you kind of see it as all of these video, long form video platforms um, are Mm -hmm. primary platforms? You know, what's your take on that? Yeah, well, we do see YouTube as our primary platform. Obviously, we're telling them to film it for a YouTube video. They may say in that video to, you know, click a card or they may have a little bit more YouTube lingo in that video, even though we're putting it on Facebook. So YouTube is our hub because YouTube has that evergreen power. It has that search engine power. Facebook, um, Instagram doesn't have that. So that's why we still focus primarily on keeping everything hosted on YouTube. We can also embed it in their blog posts and um, get that added Google SEO. So we still believe in having that hub and that YouTube is that hub, but we also want to bring the best content we can on as many platforms as possible. Yeah, 100% agree. The longevity of YouTube and the search benefits of YouTube make it the ideal primary platform in my opinion as well. So we're aligned on that. That's cool. So let's talk about then. um, So you, you get your Facebook version of the video and obviously Facebook you know, does encourage longer videos. Some people think it needs to be like really short on Facebook for the Facebook feed. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not necessarily true. Um, How do you repurpose them for Facebook? Are you putting them into a square or a four by five Mm -hmm. frame or what's your approach? Yes, we, so we have an editor on staff and she takes the YouTube video and then she readjusts it to, I don't think it's necessarily, it's a square. Is it a three by four? four ratio four by three or something but we uh the videos in the middle and then we usually have some kind of text up top to grab their attention and then we leave space below so that we can add the captions there uh, so that's what we do for facebook and then we do the same the same thing for igtv as well we make it look good obviously you can't just plop a youtube video on igtv we put it on usually we create templates for our clients as soon as they um sign up with us so that we can use them and just tweak them here or there as we need to. So they still look nice on the platform, but the content is still the same. Okay. So in IGTV being a vertical video format, are you putting your widescreen video into the middle of that frame and then filling the rest with branded kind of template mm-hmm. colors? Absolutely. Or, yeah. Okay. So you're not, yeah. you're not scaling it up to kind of fill the whole vertical frame. 
No, no, we are. We're just keeping it in the middle. One thing we have just recently started doing, we don't have a whole lot of data on it yet because it's literally like two weeks old. We started taking clips from the videos and making Instagram reels because reels has been huge. So um, I've been working with the video editor for us to take the best pieces of the video or the best topics, if it's a step or, you know, 10 ways to promote your lead magnet on social media. And we rapid fire all 10 of those ways in a a reel. That's one new way. We've also been incorporating what's trending now on social. So we are trying to use reels and that is going to, that takes a little bit more work because it's a little more tweaking to get into that 15 second reel. But again, we also want to make our videos look natural to the platform as much as possible. Yeah, I'm really interested in that idea and I haven't really experimented much with it myself of taking repurposed video content into that Reels format. So I'm, I'm excited to hear that and maybe it's something I should yeah. experiment with too because typically uh, my feelings is that Reels would be, It's in, I guess it's so new, it's interesting to see how people are going to react to content that was obviously mm-hmm. filmed for a different purpose and edited. I guess as long as it's got value, right, and it... Engages the audience, you know. Right. The thing that we were butting up against is sometimes with our IGTV, we just feel like Instagram wasn't serving up IGTV like they used to. Clients' views of their IGTVs were just not growing. So we're like, Reels is doing really well. Uh, Let's see how we can use what's trending and let's see how we can take what content that they do have and get it out on Reels. It could not do well. It could do great, but we won't know till we try. And the IGTV route hadn't been working for us for the past couple of weeks. So we're like, let's try something. Okay, cool. You mentioned Pinterest before, and that's really not something that I don't think I've ever had anyone talk about Pinterest video on this podcast before. Probably need to connect with someone on that. But um, <laughs> what's, your, what's your approach for Pinterest then? How are you specifically mm-hmm. repurposing it? Is it still in a square frame or that frame? Yeah, so... Pinterest video content is a little bit different because people haven't been trained to use Pinterest for video content. So the reason why I do it on Pinterest is because Pinterest is huge for me. It's my number one traffic source to my website. Um, I think we get, I forget what the last number was, but 260,000 impressions a month on Pinterest. So we really want to make sure we're doing what we can to make Pinterest happy. So what we've done is usually with a video, you open it with a hook, like that first 15 seconds. So we have done that in a square. Um, We also use a software called Canva. Um, Maybe some people create their thumbnails on there, but Canva has a lot of already easy animated pins that just have maybe um, scribbles on it or confetti pop, even doing that with a photo of your thumbnail or, uh, the title of the uh, video as well does well and drives us traffic, uh, for a long time. When I first got started on YouTube, my number one external traffic source was Pinterest. Pinterest literally built my channel in the beginning. And so, um, now that they're doing more video, again, we try to figure out things that we can do to continue to make Pinterest happy to get our pins to the top. And so those are kind of the things we do every single video that we create, we create three still images for Pinterest and then three video images for Pinterest that all link to that video or our website. So we usually do half and half that go to YouTube or go to our website. What's the duration of videos on Pinterest? Are these like very short? 
Yeah, yeah I, um, not longer than probably 30 seconds. I don't even know if we've done anything longer than 15 seconds at this point. Uh, if you're doing like a cooking channel, there's overhead type videos of making things do really well. If you have a time-lapse DIY video, do really well. But with an educational channel like mine, we would just want to keep it short and punchy, like 15 seconds. Like I said, normally the hook of my video is the best way to entice them to want to continue watching that video over on YouTube. Yeah, cool. Okay, so they're clicking through to YouTube. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when you think about repurposing, you mentioned before around even uh, factoring into your strategy here, your email list and email campaigns as well. So can you go into that a little bit further? So I think you mentioned that you're using email to drive people through to the YouTube version of the video. Is that how you do this? Yep. So since YouTube is our hub and kind of where we want people to go first, all of our promotion and talk about our video when it goes live that first day all goes to YouTube. So we'll send an email newsletter out about around 30 minutes after video goes live and usually addressing a pain point they're having, which is why we created that video, um, addressing a, a pain point that they're having and pitch them that video and say, actually, we're breaking this down. We're sharing with you how to do ABC in today's latest video. We put um, the thumbnail image in and make that image clickable. And then we get a huge spike in traffic. I, even with my clients that don't have a YouTube following yet that they're building it, they have a strong email subscriber base. We can see in their analytics the exact second they send it to their email list because their their trending line will be here and it will literally go straight up when our clients send it to their email list. So it, for us and for our clients, it's critical that they're sending it to their email. Talk to us about the, the timing of emailing your list after the publication mm -hmm. of a video because there's a, there's a time window that's kind of important to factor in here, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I generally tell them, could you send it out? You know, within 24 hours, they have a lot going on. Sometimes they're in the middle of a launch. And so breaking up that sequence for that YouTube video doesn't necessarily work. I've had clients send it the, like within the hour and I've had clients wait five days and I still see that huge jump. But again, they're going to see more success on their YouTube channel and get YouTube to recommend it to more people earlier if we can continue to stay on that system. So when we talk to them, we say, hey, generally, if this is the day that you're going to publish your YouTube video to get the most success, we would like you to see, we would like to see you send your email list tell your Instagram followers, like do the promotion that you can on those first 24 hours and then go ahead and distribute the rest of your content. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Okay. So email, um, are there other ways that maybe are unthought of? Are you using Twitter? Are you using Instagram, like still images or you know, what, what yeah. else are you doing? It's so funny. I have not opened Twitter. I couldn't even say how long, maybe maybe two years until literally this week. <laughs> uh, but I haven't used a lot of Twitter. I A lot of my audience doesn't really use Twitter. So for me, it hasn't been a huge priority. I've used more LinkedIn recently. We've been mapping out, trying to figure out the best strategy for LinkedIn. We do not manage our clients LinkedIn, but internally inside my business, we've been trying to figure out the best way to manage LinkedIn content. Uh, blogging, we still find blogging really helps. We get a lot of Google traffic. So we will embed that blog. We will embed that YouTube video 
to the, a blog and I have an assistant who just writes up a short form blog so that you can show up with your YouTube video in Google search and also your blog post, which is your website and you get more people to your website. Um, feed wise, feed is tricky. I go on spurts, an Instagram feed where I am consistent and then where I'm just like, forget it. Let's just do stories and Instagram TV. So I have at times when I do shoot my YouTube videos, I batch film. And what I have done to test is when I batch film, I have a checklist. And part of that checklist is to take a thumbnail. And then I was having part of that checklist was to do a quick four to five Instagram story video series about why they need to watch this video. So I would open that story with a hook. I would give them a good piece of information from that video. So you can actually watch the full thing on my YouTube channel today. So they also had that done when I was batching. Uh, I've done that as well, but when COVID hit, I'm just trying to get the videos done as best as I can without having children run into my office. So that has slipped a little bit, but that's another way we've tried to almost repurpose content, but yet still content specific to that platform. Yeah, that's really clever. Like the idea of actually building into your your filming checklist, uh, recording some of, or pre-recording some of those stories, um, specifically for stories, because you're in the mindset, you know, you're in the, you've just mm -hmm. given all this value as you've recorded the video and you, you kind of, you probably, you know, you're, you're looking good, you're ready to be on camera yeah. and stuff like <laughs> that. Whereas the day you actually publish the video, you might not be in that headspace, right? So it might be yeah. hard to then get on stories and do it then. So. Instagram's got those filters. So well, you, you all, you always can look good on Instagram. <laughs> true, true. All right. That's cool. So you know, I want to play, I guess, devil's advocate here because I love what you're saying here, but I think for many people, they'll be thinking like, ah, it's, it means so much just to do one video and do that <laughs> consistently. Uh, mm -hmm. and then you're telling me I have to do all these things, you know, all these other things. Obviously they could use a service like you guys kind of does it everything for these people, for your clients. Mm -hmm. But for people that don't, that aren't working with someone else, it can feel like trying to do everything. What would you say mm -hmm. to those people? Templates. So this is how sometimes our clients get videos to us late. And I know my editor has their editing templates already ready to roll, like their call name call out, their title screen type things. We have usually, if we use GIFs, we kind of have a, a stream of GIFs that they have approved that are brand uh, in line with their brand. So making sure you have all these templates and these processes in place, we have the Facebook template already created for clients. So all I have to do is change up the title. We have the Instagram TV templates ready. Like the templates will take a little bit of time to create, but then that's how you can easily just start plugging them in and getting them out. Templates. Very good. Templates. And, and your favorite tools. <laughs> and a workflow. Yeah, oh, exactly. Having a planned out workflow as well. So people know mm -hmm. how it's working and you know how it's working. Any, yes. um, any favorite tools you can shout out, particularly, um, I think there are, increasingly more and more tools that enable you to add captions to videos and things like that. Like what's your favorite tools to streamline this process apart from having a team of editors behind you? We haven't got to, um, 
a platform or a service yet for the captions. Um, our editor has been doing the captions kind of manually for what she does. She's in Premiere Pro and I know Premiere Pro is working on some things there. We, I mean, what we do is we submit our YouTube video to Rev as soon as it goes live. And then we take those captions and we put them on the Facebook video. Um, what literally helps everything is Canva. I use Canva a lot. I have a specific Lightroom preset that I use for all of my thumbnails. So they all look consistent. So I'll just shoot my thumbnail and then I will put that Lightroom preset on it. And then I'll put it in a template that we've already created in Canva, tweak it up a little bit so it doesn't look the same. Um, and then I keep everything organized in Asana. It's a project management tool. I really use that. I use that with my clients as well when I'm researching for them. So within that tool, the hardest part, the most important part is the research phase. And if you put more time into that, the rest of the process will go quicker. So when I am in that research phase, I'm giving them title option ideas. I'm taking screenshots of thumbnail directions that I want them to do so that my designer can see, you know, what kind of thumbnail I want. Um, I'm also dropping in uh, any ideas that I have for the content based on the research that we've done on the content. What are some questions people are asking in that video or in the comments below? And so if you kind of really do that research piece and you take the time to do it, the rest of the process goes a lot quicker. Cool. Thank you for that. Some, uh, Awesome tools that you've you've included in that, and if you didn't catch all of that, just rewind yeah. thirty seconds of the podcast. And yeah, yeah. The again. main ones, like I said, are Asana and Canva, pretty much. Uh, Canva, I will say, people get confused. It's not a video editor. Um, it's kind of like a graphics template kind of builder. You can do GIFs in there and stuff like that, but it's not an actual video editor. Yeah, but it does have some cool video functionalities now as yes, well. Yes, it does. Um, <laughs> In fact, you know, I've recommended to people to use Canva to actually, you know, build out that video frame like you were talking about before and you can download mm -hmm. the MP4, you know, so download a video. So, yeah, Canva's cool and the free version is very yeah. powerful actually. So worth checking out if if you haven't checked it out yet. So just in, in kind of closing here, I, I want you to maybe, you know, lay some inspiration on people listening who – maybe they're starting on this journey or, you know, they're struggling on this journey or they, they feel like mm -hmm. they're doing all the things and they're trying to do all the things right, but they, they're not feeling like they're getting that, that reach and also critically that connection or engagement, or they're just feeling like they're doing it and not getting the results that they, that they want. What would you say to those people to kind of motivate them to keep going? I personally had to take a long, hard look at my content too. And again, what I was missing was not the storytelling piece and making sure people understood, like, I'm not just here to tell you how to do something. Like there's a bigger picture behind this. And so I think even with students and clients that I have, what I really help them try to figure out is like, who are you speaking to? Um, that's how you can really tie your story in. But if you don't know who you're speaking to, I know we hear niche or niche all the time, but the way I like to think about it is if you really understand the psychographics of that person you're speaking to, like what mindset are they in right now? How can you really connect with them? That's where you will see that snowball effect. If you can really understand that particular person that you're talking to, what they're going through, and you can talk to them about that and 
can help them through that, through your content. Because I mean, I'm talking YouTube tips and video marketing strategy, but I need to think about that audience. They, they're stressed, they're doing online schooling, they're balancing kids, they're trying to create content for their business. If they're going to create content for their business, it needs to have return on investment. And so I think that's the really key, like take a step back and really think about who are you speaking to? Yeah, I think that's so good. You know, it is, it's not about you, what you're doing. Like at the end of the day, it's about the people you're trying to serve through your content and that's mm-hmm. what you're doing it for and keep that in the in the front of your mind, not the back of your mind. I was about to say back of your mind, but yeah, keep that <laughs> keep that front and centre, I think, and and that should, that'll, that'll motivate you and, and fire you up and, you know, that's certainly the experience that I've had as well. Trina Little, thanks for joining me on the show and sharing your wisdom and insight about repurposing videos and maximizing the reach with what we're doing with our videos. Uh, It's been a really interesting conversation for me, so I know it has been for our listeners as well. So where can people find out more about you and follow you and watch your videos and all of that good stuff? Yeah, well, I'm on YouTube. Um, My YouTube is Tips with Trina. Uh, And then I do a lot on Instagram. Uh, Well, I'll go on hot and cold streaks, but I share a lot of behind the scenes. I share a lot of how I do things, how I'm creating content, how I'm managing being a mom and doing it all. So Instagram is Trina underscore little over on Instagram. Awesome. We'll have links to to Trina in the show notes page for this episode at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 172. And that's Trina Little, T-R-E-N-A, just in case people yes. are unsure how to spell Trina. Um, thanks for joining me. This has been fun. Yeah, thank you so much. And thanks so much for Trina for joining me on this show and sharing her wisdom for you guys listening in. Now, if you've enjoyed today's show, as always, I'd really appreciate a rating and a review on the Apple Podcasts store. You can do that quickly by going to engagevideomarketing.com slash iTunes. Each and every review that I get for this show helps this show reach more people. So whether you've rated and reviewed the show before or not, I just want to appreciate you. I just want to share some appreciation for the time that you've spent with me and my guests in your eardrums, hopefully helping you become a better video marketer and improve what you're doing in the world of video for your business or for your clients. That's the reason why I do this show. So thanks again for listening. And I'd love to hear from you if you're out there and you've been listening. Email me podcast at engagevideomarketing.com or hit me up on one of the social channels at engage underscore Ben. I really love listening and discovering and building relationships and connections with people who've been listening to this show and it's helped them in any way. So I can't wait to hear from you and I can't wait to be back with you next week for another interview episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. And that will be episode 172 done for this week. So let's move on. 173 coming at you next week. Bye for now.